Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'd like to welcome everyone tonight to all of our guests. We're so glad to have you. Thank you for being with us tonight. And uh, I know we've got a number of folks that are out tonight. Good amount of people out of town for the holiday. So thank you for being here. Even if you're not a guest, thank you for being here. If you're joining us online somewhere this evening, we welcome you as a part of this service tonight. Pray that you're blessed by it wherever you may be. Encourage you to continue to keep Bishop and Mother Wright in your prayers. They are uh, in Spain, will be returning this week. So ask the Lord to continue to keep his hand upon them, bring them home safely. Amen. As I've said to you before, there's sometimes I have purposefully requested a song before a message to tie in, and sometimes I don't, and this is one of those nights I didn't. And what a great intro. I will quickly say, just because the song may not tie right into the message doesn't mean it was the wrong song. So, nor does it mean it was the wrong message. (laughs) But, Judges chapter 2. Judges chapter 2, starting with verse number 7. Judges 2 and verse number 7 says, actually he'll start with verse 6, And when Joshua had let the people go, the children of Israel went every man unto his inheritance to possess the land. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua, and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord, that he did for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, if you didn't know it, Joshua was the first orphan mentioned in the Bible. Some of you will get that later. The servant of the Lord died, being a hundred and ten years old. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance in Timnath-Erez, in the Mount of Ephraim, on the north side of the hill Gash. And also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers. That means all that were a part of the generation of Joshua. It's those that uh, verse 7 refers to who had seen the works of the Lord. That generation was gathered unto their fathers. In my opinion, this verse is one of the saddest verses in all of the Bible. Because it says of the next generation, immediately following Joshua and all of those elders, it says there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. There arose another generation, the next generation that knew not God or the works He had done. This is one of those titles that won't really make sense for a while, but eventually it will, and I'll go ahead and give it because I think they have a slide. I have a question for you tonight. Are we trending? Are we trending? Young people, you got that right. Adults, you probably are thinking wrong, so hang in there with me. Father, I thank you for your presence in this place tonight. Thank you for the privilege of being in your presence. Thank you for your spirit that has been manifested here tonight. I thank you for every individual here tonight, God. Thank you for everyone in the midst of this holiday weekend that has still made their way into your presence, joining together. I pray your blessings upon us, the the remainder of this service. I pray, God, that you would speak to us tonight. Let your spirit minister to us. Speak to us as a body tonight, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I, I don't think it totally. I, I was thinking about it in a different context, but 
was just a few moments ago standing here on the platform, it dawned on me in a different context that next Sunday will be the first or will be the one-year anniversary of my opinion, what probably has been the most significant changes, drastic changes that have ever taken place in the history of this church. It was the first Sunday of June that we launched the new Sunday night ministry, and my wife and family and I came back to Arnold to lead. And uh, I, I didn't pre-plan this, but as I was just continuing to try to feel after the Lord on the platform here this evening, I, I think it's no coincidence, the message that I have for us tonight. I trust by the help of the Lord that I have a word for God, from God for us tonight. I never, as I often pray, I don't really want to just preach a sermon to fill time, but I want to deliver a message. And so this is, I think, kind of one of those messages that's more to us as a body than it is to an individual. I said it already, but I think that verse number 10 is, again, one of the, mo- one of the saddest, if not one of the most tragic verses in all of Scripture. The generation, you understand that this generation... Their parents, their parents walked through the Red Sea. Their parents knew what it was to gather manna in the wilderness. Their parents knew what it was to cross the Jordan into the promised land. And their parents were, were there. They, it was a first-hand account of the walls of Jericho falling. I believe that most of us tonight believe the Bible to be true. That we don't think it's fantasy. We don't think it's fiction, but we we believe what it says. That we believe it's not symbolism. It's not symbolic. I have heard that apparently there are those, there are those Christians that believe that the Genesis account of creation is more symbolic than it is real. I don't believe that. I believe that what Genesis says is what happened, that God spoke and it came into existence, that God created. And I, I believe all of the rest of the stories throughout the Scripture. I truly believe there was a man who got swallowed by a great fish and spent a couple of days in the belly of that fish and then got spit out. I, I don't believe that's fantasy. I believe that's real. I believe that there were three guys that would not give in to the commandment of a king and said it doesn't matter what you do, we will not bow. And I believe that there were three guys that got thrown in a fiery furnace and stood in that furnace and the fire not only did not burn them, it did not do any damage, but I believe when they came out of it, they didn't even smell like smoke. I believe they marched around Jericho six days one time. And on the seventh day, they marched around seven times. And when they got done, they gave a great shout and walls began to fall. And God gave a great victory. I believe that Moses stood at the banks of a Red Sea and held up a staff. And God parted the waters and three million plus people walked through on dry ground. And then there was an army that got swallowed up in the Red Sea. I believe that happened. I believe there were five loaves and two fishes that Jesus blessed and the disciples broke and passed out and 5,000 plus people ate. I believe that Jesus and Peter walked on the water. I believe that blind eyes were open and deaf ears were unstopped. I believe all of that was fact. But most of that for you and I is history. We believe it, but it's history. We weren't there. I am thankful for the miracles you and I have witnessed either firsthand or those that we know that have witnessed miracles. I, I, I think we, I need to make a request. If you're going to put something on the altar, I'd, I'd like to know why it's there. I, I, we got a few more things that have been added here. I'm assuming this plastic, which looks to me like it's off of a car, was put here on purpose. I, 
know if some God, some God protected somebody or some. I don't know. But our faith for that, our faith for today is based on what we read here. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word of God. But here is an entire generation that heard firsthand, firsthand parents that told them, I walked through, I watched, I experienced. And one generation away from that, it says they knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done. I'd like to impose on you for a few moments, and I have a purpose, but I'd like to share a particular part of my wife and I's 25th anniversary trip. The part of that trip I'd like to share was the Sunday that we were gone. That particular weekend, we were in the Los Angeles area. We were staying right outside of downtown Los Angeles, and on that Sunday, we took a uh, tour bus, lasted about half day, most of the day. We, we met up in, uh, it started in Santa Monica Pier. Some of you have heard of that. Some of you probably have been there. If you haven't been there, if you've watched very many or very much TV or movies, you've probably seen it because it's often in movies. It's a pier that goes out into the ocean, and on that pier, like several places along the eastern seaboard, there are rides, there are amusements, there's food, etc. That pier was started around the early 1800s, somewhere in 1910 to 1915 is when it began as, a, as an entertainment destination, as a place for people to come for fun. Just a couple of miles from that, which was our second stop on our tour, is what's known as Venice Beach. And uh, Venice Beach is also another spot that's kind of common on TV and movies. Venice Beach is probably one of the most unique experiences I think I and I think my wife would say the same thing have ever had in our lives. It is quite an interesting conglomeration of humanity. There's a lots of interesting things that go on there. There's lots of interesting people there and it also began somewhere in the early 1900s. I learned, we learned, it got its name because the guy that was kind of the founder of that area was trying to duplicate Venice and create canals and all kinds of ways to get around like that. And that's, that's where it, it got its name from. And so from there, our next destination, our next stop was the infamous Rodeo Drive. <laughs> if you got money, I guess it's a place to shop. If you don't have money, don't waste your time going there. I mentioned last Sunday morning, I think it was, there's a store on Rodeo Drive that you have to give a $1,500 deposit just to go in the store. And if you give that deposit and go in the store and you shop and don't buy anything, it is a non-refundable deposit. Angie looked up last week, and apparently the average shopping trip there, single trip shopping, is about $100,000 spent. That's where I was drooling over a white Rolls Royce with a black top convertible and the in center of the wheels that the RR for Rolls-Royce does not spin, it always remains upright. Of course, that's also right next to Beverly Hills, and we went and saw the Beverly Hills sign. From there, they took us to the farmer's market, which is a place of eating and shopping. And then another very famous spot, 
Again, if you've seen very many movies, you've probably seen it. It's the Griffith Observatory. It sits up on the hill in the Santa Monica Mountains, and it overlooks the city of Los Angeles and that whole valley. Uh, there's 4 million people in Los Angeles. There's 10 million people in Los Angeles County. That is a mass of humanity. Our last stop was the Hollywood Walk of Fame, where all the stars are on the ground, in the concrete. (laughs) The Dolby Theater, where the Oscars take place and the red carpet is rolled out. We learned all kinds of things that day about Los Angeles. What's interesting, and if you've never been there, the downtown area of Los Angeles is really not the attraction. It's all the surrounding areas. Anybody ever been to New York City? You go to New York City, there is a mass of humanity. Seems like no matter what time of day or night you walk down the street, you're bumping into people. Downtown Los Angeles was very different. We went through there on Monday morning on our way out of town heading to our next destination and we drove around for an hour or more and I was very surprised at the lack of people you see. So we drove around for a little while that morning, went to a couple of different things, notable places we've heard of, and then in the GPS I punched in a very important address. I hope when I say this name, every Holy Ghost filled person recognizes it. If you don't, before you go to bed tonight, your homework assignment is get on your computer and Google it and learn it. I'm not leading up to Krispy Kreme or whatever else. I know that's where some of you think I'm going. You put the slide on the screen, please. The address that I punched in was Azusa Street. Because on Sunday, nobody ever said anything about Azusa Street. On Sunday, we were taken to all kinds of notable destinations that all of the tourists go to, but nobody said Azusa Street. I followed my GPS to get to Azusa Street and where it said or where I thought I was supposed to take a left, there was no street. And initially I didn't even see, I don't know if Angie did, but I didn't see the sign. We were actually coming from the opposite direction. That may be one reason why. And we circled the block and we came back around from the other way and that's when I noticed the sign. You can see if you got eyes that are still working okay. You may have good eyes and still not be able to see it because it's kind of small, but the bottom right-hand side, it says Azusa Street Mission, site of the Azusa Street Revival from 1906 to 1931, cradle of the worldwide Pentecostal movement. The sad thing is, it's not really even a street anymore. There's nothing there. It's now basically a walkway. Nobody told us on Sunday about the most significant thing that had ever happened in the city of Los Angeles. It's not a pier that people still travel to today for entertainment. It's not a beach that people go to as a gathering place from all kinds of walks of life. But there is a spot that I would venture to say the majority of tourists and even the majority of citizens of Los Angeles have no idea that there's a place called Azusa Street, a place at which at the beginning of the 1900s, there was a fresh outpouring of the Holy Ghost that started a few miles away in a little house on a place called Bonnie Bray Street, where a man by the name of William Seymour, who had recently heard that the scriptural evidence of the infant 
filling of the Holy Ghost was speaking in other tongues having not yet had that experience himself he made his way to Los Angeles and began to preach without the experience that the infilling of the Holy Ghost was signified by speaking in other tongues it started in a little house on Bonnie Bray Street and when it began to expand they moved to Azusa Street where for years people came from all over the world. The Bible says in Luke 19, verse number 42, If you had known, even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes, for the days shall come upon thee, that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee, and compass thee round, and keep thee in on every side. I, I'm not sure if I've ever been any place in all my life where there was so much ungodliness the fulfillment I think of what this verse says and then the next verse says and shall lay thee even with the ground and thy children within thee and they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another and here's why because you knew not the time of your visitation I pointed out to you, not for historical purposes, but I pointed out to you the time at which the Santa Monica Pier was being built and developed and the time at which Venice Beach got its start because I do not think it is a coincidence that both of those very notable tourist attractions in Los Angeles got their start around the same time as Azusa Street was taking place. And if somehow Los Angeles could have focused on Azusa Street instead of Santa Monica Pier, and if somehow Los Angeles could have paid attention to what was going on on Bonnie Bray Street instead of what was happening at Venice Beach, Los Angeles today would not be known for Hollywood. Los Angeles today would not be known for the entertainment industry. But if somebody would have recognized the time of their visitation I believe that in 2017 that city would be much different than it is today at the same time people were making their way from all over the world to visit Azusa Street and that old mission that they began to hold their prayer meetings their services in almost all day long almost around the clock a place at which miracles were taking place a place at which people were coming who had never had the experience but were experiencing the infilling of the Holy Ghost evidenced by speaking in other tongues I said it here last Sunday morning, and Arnold, I don't know that I have ever in all my life, in all the places I've been, for whatever reasons, felt a greater sense of purposelessness than I felt during our trip. Not purposelessness for my life, but a sense, Brother Johnson, that these millions of people we're living, really, without a true purpose. That the, the feeling, and not only by things that may have been said in situations, but also the feeling, the spiritual discernment, the feeling that I felt with my spiritual discernment was that people live basically with the purpose of one of a couple of things. Survival. Or pleasure. When in fact what had taken place in that city is one of the most significant events in all of history. I, I sat, I just, we sat, we pulled up across the street from that house and sat for a few moments. I sat there just taking in the significance of what that spot is all about. I, I'm sorry, but that spot's more important than Gettysburg. That spot's more important than any other historical spot in this country. 
That spot's more important than a lot of other historical spots in any other country because it was at that spot where there began to be a fresh outpouring of the Holy Ghost. It's not my message tonight, but can I pause for a moment to tell somebody what we're doing here tonight didn't just start a couple of years ago. It wasn't just an, a man-made idea. We're not here tonight because of hype, but we're here tonight because a hundred years ago, a little over a hundred years ago, in this country there was a fresh outpouring of what took place on the day of Pentecost with Peter and the rest of the disciples and Mary, the mother of Jesus. That's where we trace our heritage. That's where we go back to. We don't go to some church split 40, 50, 60, 70 years ago. We, we don't go to some council somewhere where a group of men got around and made up some new ideas or some new theology to appeal to the people of that day. But we go all the way back to an upper room where there was an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. But actually, that's not where we start. Really, where we go back to is where God showed up with one man by the name of Abram and said, I'm going to make a covenant with you. I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to bless those that bless you, and I'm going to curse those that curse you. We go all the way back there. You didn't know the time of your visitation just a just a sign just a sign just a small little sign that commemorates this is where it happened and you try to cut down a tree somewhere people go crazy you try to renovate a historical monument somewhere and historical societies go ballistic. And now to commemorate great outpouring of the Holy Ghost, there's, there's just a sign. I understand and I would also argue on one hand there shouldn't be some monument memorial that becomes the focal point. Jesus on top of the Mount of Transfiguration, Peter, James, and John, I think it was Peter, it's always Peter has something to say. He said, we, we ought to make tabernacles and stay here. We ought to dwell here. And, and the gist of what Jesus said to them was this, this isn't the destination. This isn't, this isn't where we are going to. This is just a landmark. And so I understand in a lot of ways Azusa Street was just a landmark. But a city is now godless because somebody didn't recognize the time of their visitation. In Revelation chapter 3, verse number 14, the scripture says this, And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither hot nor cold. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see as many as I I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. I, I want to read to you, if you would bear with me for a moment or two here, I want to read to you from Fawcett's Bible Dictionary about Laodicea. It says that it was a city of Phrygia, originally Diospolis, 
then Riaz, then Laodicea. It was the site of one of the seven churches addressed by Christ through John. In Paul's epistle to the Colossians, Laodicea is associated with Colossa and Hierapolis, which exactly accords with its geographical position, 18 miles west of Colossus, 6 miles south of Hierapolis. It lay in the Roman province Asia, a mile south of the river Lycus in the the Meander Valley between Colossa and Philadelphia, a a Sulicid king, Antiochus II, Theos, named it from Laodice, his wife. Overthrown often by earthquakes, it was rebuilt by its wealthy citizens without state help when destroyed in A.D. 62. This wealth arising from its excellent wools led to a self-satisfied, lukewarm state in spiritual things. Great success naturally, but spiritually they were lukewarm. They were indifferent. The Lord condemns this as more dangerous than positive icy coldness. The two churches most comfortable temporally are those most reproved, Sardis and Laodicea. Those most afflicted of the seven are the most commended, Smyrna and Philadelphia. Subsequently, the church was flourishing, for it was at a council at Laodicea, eighty-three sixty-one, that the scripture canon was defined. The epistle from Laodicea mentioned in Colossians 4.16 is Paul's epistle to the Laodiceans which the Colossians were to apply to them for. Not the epistle to the Ephesians for Paul was unlikely to know that his letter to the Ephesians would have reached Laodicea at or near the time of the arrival of his letter to the Colossians. Similarly, in 1 Corinthians 5.9 an epistle is alluded to no longer extent extent the Holy Spirit not designing it for further use than the local and temporary wants of a particular church. The apostles' epistles were were publicly read in the church assemblies, being thus put on a level with the Old Testament and Gospels, which were similarly read. If you don't understand what this is saying here, there really should have been an epistle for Laodicea. You do all know what epistles are, correct? They're not the apostles' wives. Epistles are New Testament books that are letters written. They're either named for the one that wrote them or they're named for who they were written to. Romans was to the church at Rome. Timothy was to Timothy. And so what, what, it's, what it's saying here is there really should have been a letter Included in scripture to the Laodiceans. But the problem was they were lukewarm. So it went to somebody else. The angel of the Laodicean church is supposed to be Archippus whom Paul 30 years before had warned to be diligent in fulfilling his ministry. The lukewarm state, if the transitional stage to a warmer, is desirable for a little religion if real is better than none. But fatal when an abiding state for it is mistaken for a safe state. The danger is of disregarded principle. Religion enough to lull the conscience, not to save the soul. Uh, did you, did you hear that? Religion that is enough to lull the conscience, but not enough to save the soul. It soothes the conscience because there is a form of godliness, but it is denying the power thereof. Halting between two opinions, the hot at Hierapolis and cold springs near Laodicea suggested the simile, as worldly poverty favors poverty of spirit, so worldly riches tend to spiritual self-sufficiency. Paul's epistle to the neighboring Colossa was designed for Laodicea also, though Paul had not seen the Christians there at the time. 
It tells Laodicea in whom to find hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Whereas she thought she had all sufficiency in herself. Because thou sayest I am rich, etc. He endured a sore conflict, striving in anxious prayer in behalf of the churches of Ephesus and Laodicea. That they might be delivered from Judaizing teachers who blended Eastern theosophy and angel worship with Jewish asceticism and observance of new moons and Sabbaths, professing a deeper insight into the world of spirits and a nearer approach to heavenly purity and intelligence than the simple gospel afforded. I know that's a lot of wordiness there, but let me just summarize what he was saying. They decided we can improve on this. We can do a better job than just this. And what once was a thriving city with great spiritual promise became nothing more than a few arches and part of an amphitheater is all the remnants, all the remains that is left of Laodicea. Nelson's Illustrated Bible Dictionary says, the site of Laodicea is now a deserted heap of ruins. What had the potential of greatness missed its visitation. Oh, I know this is a holiday weekend and we're not supposed to preach heavy on a holiday weekend. What once was a thriving city is now nothing but ruins because they had consciences that they lulled themselves to sleep and they became lukewarm, they became indifferent and now it's just ruins. Hitchcock's Dictionary of Bible Names, this is really interesting to me and hopefully I am interpreting this in the proper way. Because according to Hitchcock's, the name Laodicea means this, just people. Just people. Just people. A place of great potential. A place that had a visitation from God. A place that had God's attention turned in. To just people. Just, just people. Nothing significant. Nothing great. Nothing outstanding. Just, just people. Because they weren't hot, neither were they cold. Today, in our terminology, we would take it to be that hot is positive and cold is negative. I actually, my understanding, some of you may know this better than I, my understanding is that it was not necessarily the context of these verses that hot, you know, on fire, good, cold, bad. That it was based on two different sources of water. One that was hot water that had healing elements considered to it and another that was cold water that had a purpose. And it was the meeting of these waters that became lukewarm and then made it worthless. So he's saying, I wish that you were one or the other. So whether that's the way it applies or you apply it in modern terminology, that it's not good to be cold and it's good to be hot. Either way, he said, because you're lukewarm, you are indifferent, you are in the middle. I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. Listen to what Acts 17 verse 1 says. I'm almost done, believe it or not. Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica where was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them. And there, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them 
out of the scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ. And some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas, and of the devout Greeks a great multitude, and of the chief women not a few. That means a bunch. But the Jews which believe not moved with envy took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort and gathered a company and set all the city on an uproar and assaulted the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city crying. Listen to what they cried. These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. Those that have turned the world upside down have now come to us to be salt and light in the world, in the world, to be salt and light in the world. These are those that have impacted our city. These are those that have impacted our world. These are those that are messing with our theology and our lifestyle because they're not lukewarm, but they're on fire. These, we know who they are. We recognize them. We've heard about them. We are familiar with them. I got a feeling a couple of you seasoned folks took my title in a context of are we going along with the world? I'd be surprised if there wasn't at least a couple of seasoned folks that trending. But in 2017, trending is now a term that gets used, especially with social media. Trending is about what's being talked about. Trending is about what is popular. Facebook has now added at the bottom, at least notice this, maybe it's on computer too, but on the bottom of the mobile app, you can tap on what is trending. You can tap on what is being talked about. You can tap on what is popular right now. I got a question for you tonight. In Anne Arundel County, in Prince George's County, on the Eastern Shore, in D.C., in Southern Anne Arundel County, even into Calvert County, are we trending? Are we trending? I don't know. Tell me if we're trending. No. I have not. No. No, I have not. Can't say I have. No. No. Um, I've heard I've heard of apostolic churches, but maybe not Antioch. No, I haven't. No. Yes. No, definitely not. No. No. No, I have not. No, I haven't. Uh, can't say I have. No. No, I have not. I believe I have. No. Yeah, I go there all the time with him. We think there's a bunch of bad rumors out there about us. We think there's a bunch of accusations out there about us that we can't get over. I got news for you tonight, Antioch Central. We're not trending. We're not trending. I know that's not a great sample size, but it was enough to get my point across. We're not trending. There's not a bunch of people running from us because we're up here drinking the Kool-Aid. There's not a bunch of people afraid of us because we're a cult. They don't even know about us. To be salt and light in the world, in the world. To be salt and light in the world. Let the redeemed of the Lord rise up.
warmness that lulls us to sleep because we had, we came and we had another good Sunday night service. We came and we had another move of God when we are supposed to be salt and light. I don't care if it's good press or bad press. We ought to be trending. There's a picture. There's several pictures, but there's one of them that is a picture from Severn Avenue where all this started 46 years ago, almost 47. 47 years ago. Have you heard of Antioch? No. 47 years ago. And we think we're doing something here. Happy Memorial Day. We're not trending. We're not trending. There's no hashtags. We got a little flurry a couple of weeks ago, but I was talking to Brother Stewart. Most of our activity on social media is other Pentecostals. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be lukewarm. I don't want to be deceived by making some impact that we're not even making. Oh, and I, I, I'm not saying folks aren't doing any. I'm not saying some of you aren't evangelizing. I'm not saying some of you aren't witnessing. But I am saying we ain't trending. To be salt and light. I, I don't want that picture. I think it's the first one when you go out the door to the right, if I'm not mistaken. I don't want that picture to be like a sign of Azusa Street. Simply commemorating something that happened at some point in history. I've come tonight to challenge Antioch Central. We've had a year to adjust. If you haven't grieved and mourned by now, if you're still grieving and still mourning by now, you've grieved and you've mourned enough. It's time to forget yes. what is behind and press. Press not towards a mark that you and I have dreamed up, but towards a mark we just heard it last Sunday night. You may have written it off as hype if that's what you want to, but I choose to claim the word of God from last Sunday night. I don't know about you, but I'm about to get double for my trouble. You might let it pass you by if you want, but I've been through some stuff. You may not know all my stuff, but I've been through some stuff, and I'm tired of sitting around mourning for what was. I'm ready to start rejoicing over what is and what will be. Everybody stand if you would. Are we changing the flavor of our world? Are we changing? I tell you this just as a just by way of simple testimony. We got a couple of folks that have been coming on Sunday mornings now. They attend had attended a fairly well-known church in this area but they're hungry for something more they're looking for something deeper they're searching for something beyond what they have if we're not trending how will they know 
if we're not changing the flavor of the world around us, how are they going to know? I don't know about you, but I'm not interested in becoming a part of something that ends up being nothing more than spiritual ruins because someone missed the time of their visitation. He said, Oh, Jerusalem, how often I would have gathered you together as a hen doth her chicks, but you, you, you would not. You missed it. It's one thing to never have had the opportunity. It's another thing when you had the chance, but you missed the chance. This is, this is, I, to be honest, this was not pre-planned. A couple of weeks ago now is when I requested these. I, in fact, right before church or earlier this afternoon, I guess, is when I decided to do this because, and, and I say that for this, I, I want you to understand what I'm about to do is not the answer to what I preach tonight. Maybe a tool, but not the answer. I, I just believe it's time for this area to know about us. I, I, I'm not trying to be unkind. I'm, I, I, it's kind of discouraging, but really I'm meaning it in an encouraging way. People don't know about us. The Roberts, the percentage of people in this county, of 500,000 people that know about us, it's a small percentage. But don't you think it's time all over again? Whether it's in Bowie or whether it's in Deal, on the Eastern Shore, Pasadena, Pinewood Village, here in Arnold, other places that we minister throughout Antioch Central. I don't know about you, but I think it's time for somebody to start being able to say, yeah, I heard about that place. I don't care if all they say is, I heard about they're crazy. At least they haven't heard about us and they're indifferent. Because we are lukewarm. I, I, I've got, we are, we're going to, in the next little while, where Brother Stewart's helping me with this, but we're going to get some maps of our area printed up so that we can do this in a more organized fashion. But, brethren, help me out. We, we've got some new bishop, I, I think it was, if I'm not mistaken, I guess it was the leadership meeting, I think. I was at Purpose Institute, which is really when all this started. Bishop said, wasn't it? I don't think it was when we were out of town and he was preaching. I think it was the leadership meeting that it's time for us to start sowing again, sowing more. So we've, we've got, and I understand, I will say, if you go someplace else on Sunday morning, the address on here is for here. But the front, there's a website, and if you are someplace else on Sunday morning, you're on that website. You don't have to take any of these. Again, we're going to do some stuff with them in the future, but in light of tonight, I decided, I don't know, we got more seed cards available somewhere in the building. I believe. It's time for us, us, at Antioch Central, to start trending. For the next time somebody goes out and says, hey, you ever heard of Antioch the Apostolic Church? That instead of one or two, Brother Johnson, and I, I know, I know, please don't, don't. 
I'm not trying to be offensive to anybody. I know there are people here tonight that you're involved in evangelism. You're involved in witness. I understand that. Please, I'm not trying to be unkind tonight. My point is, we're not having near the impact we ought to have. So I don't care whether you do it with a door hanger, you do it with a seed card, or you just do it by word of mouth. What do you say we make up our minds tonight? That we're going to quit looking back. And we're now going to start fully focusing on looking forward to where God is desiring to take us. We're going to forget what was. We're going to forget what used to be. But we are going to press. How many of you are still praying that prophecy? At least every now and then. Uh Uh-oh. Why don't you restart? Because that prophecy is a promise that will trend. That prophecy is a guarantee. Last Sunday night we heard a word from God. Let the redeemed of the Lord rise up. I I just, I got this, I got this text this afternoon. I got, I got this text this afternoon. Listen, listen to this. In the last 30 days, there were 166 Islamic attacks in 26 countries in which 1,070 people were killed and 1,034 injured. They are the attacks that have been recorded. Don't you think it's time for some other stuff? I don't think everything in the news has to be negative. I don't think everything in the news has to be bad. I think there can be some stuff in the news about some good things. People getting healed, people getting delivered, people getting set free, people receiving the greatest gift that anybody has ever received. You and I are the salt and the light. You and I. Let the redeemed of the Lord rise up. Is there anybody tonight that's redeemed? Is there anybody tonight that knows you've been redeemed? Is there anybody tonight that is desirous of God using you to be the salt and the light for somebody else to be redeemed? I I want you just to... we, We did this, I guess, a couple of weeks ago when I preached about make some noise. But in closing, I'm, I'm not, I'm not gonna necessarily at this point, at least I don't think, I'm not gonna give an altar call. This stuff's out. They put some seed cards out here. You wanna grab some of those? If you want some of these door hangers, so be it. You can come get them when we, when we finish. But just where you're standing, at least for right now, this may all change in a moment. But right now, would you, if you're willing, would you just lift your hands to the Lord and just tell Him tonight, God, I'm willing for you to use me to be salt and light in the world. I'm I'm willing for you to use me as fuel for light. I I don't want to just be lukewarm. I don't want to be somewhere in the middle where all you want to do is just spew me out. But I want to be hot. I want to be cold. I, I want to be in a condition that I bring something of value. 
I want to be cold that can be a refreshing drink of water to somebody that's thirsty. I want to be heat that can bring light and warmth to somebody that's cold and perishing. I want to be fuel for you, God. I don't want to miss the moment, the time of your visitation, but I want to recognize it in my life. I want to participate with it in my life, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. If you want to be a part of salt and light in helping us in Glen Burnie, don't forget, downstairs, this is not a permanent commitment, involvement in something, but it's a commitment to periodically be a part in helping us. We had last night on a holiday weekend, I believe, four guests, I think two first time on a Saturday night, on a holiday weekend. God is doing something, folks. But it's not the end. It's not the culmination. It's just the launching point. Praise God. I hope to see most of you tomorrow for some fellowship. God bless you. In Jesus' name.